Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? What a busy week this has been. We had trustee meeting. Uh, I know NAM had their trustee meeting this week. Uh, we don't have recaps this week for those. Hopefully we'll have those next week. Uh, but it, it's just been, you know, trustee meeting. If you don't work at an entity, you don't quite understand what it's like. Uh, but it's about a 48-hour whirlwind of, of basically your boss's bosses uh, yes. all being there and, and you having to uh, to show what's going on at the entity. And uh, it's fun. I really enjoy it. We have some great trustees. Uh, I really enjoy hanging out with those guys and, and ladies. And uh, it, But it's always just one of those where you get to the end and you're like, whew, you know, right. it's, it's just been so busy for two days. Well, and for you, it's probably even more than when I, you know, am in the middle of trustees here because you have so many more. And so you're just, even the social side of it, you're catching up with different people. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot more conversations. Yes. And, and you know, I, I know that our our roles at a trustee meeting are a lot differently. You as a communications director, you, you handle like uh, writing stories about it. So, you know, the trustee meeting ends and your work kind of just begins. Exactly. Uh, because you're writing stories about what happened. And mine is is a lot of the prep on the front end because we're, you know, working in the president's office, we're getting everything ready. Right. Uh, so, like, it's crazy. And then you get to the trustee meeting and then you just want to, like, finish and you're, like, just Collapse. wiped out. So, yeah. But it's a good week, good meeting. Uh, had some good news coming out of Lifeway. Uh, and we'll we'll share that later when those stories are, are released Probably either you know late this week or early next week, and and we'll talk about that on next week's episode. All right. Uh, but speaking of entities, uh, we do want to thank our sponsors over at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, they are in Louisville, Kentucky, and are committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.ed. You. We're going to stay in Louisville for our main story this week, our lead story uh, involving Rachel Denhollander. Uh, she has uh, made some statements about an SBC church up in the Louisville area, and uh, this uh, is kind of overflowing from the the Nasser investigation. Uh, Doctor Nasser, uh, who was on uh, Larry Nasser, who was on staff at Michigan State University, was the former sports medicine doctor there, and also the uh, gymnastics director uh, for the USA. And, uh, you know, he's been uh, accused and convicted of sexual misconduct with dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and hundreds, really, uh, right. of, of girls. And uh, Den Hollander spoke out against him uh, and uh, and also has uh, has kind of brought a Southern Baptist church into uh, the, the story. Essentially, what happened is uh, that a lot of people noticed... Uh, Rachel's testimony when it came out, she had a, an incredible in her, in her victim impact statement, an incredible sort of Christian worldview segment of it, where she talked about the power of forgiveness. She looked straight at um, Larry Nasser and and spoke, you know, directly to the heart of the issue, sin and repentance, everything, um, and got a lot of attention for that. But there was another sentence in her impact statement that talked about. Uh, losing her church. And of course, lots of people had questions about that. What does that mean? And so later she sort of spoke out, gave a little more clarity on it and said that she was actually referring to a situation at her church. Uh, she's no longer at this church, but a church that she was, uh, she and her husband were part of in Louisville, Kentucky, and how she felt about their handling of a case that 
many of us are aware of have been around for has been around for a lot of years and that's the case involving sovereign grace ministries um, and a, a lot a lot of ties to the SBC uh, in in a number of different ways um, there and so she sort of brought that back up that that this sort of stemmed from a disagreement about perspectives on that uh, handling of that maybe even not not that her church was involved in the case but that her church's position on uh, some of the cases involving sovereign grace ministries and uh, that that's really what it was referring to so she was very straightforward about that very transparent uh, of course as I think we might expect sovereign grace ministries has come uh, back with a response um, come responding to her words and then she's responded to them so this has been a lot of uh, sort of things kind of back and forth. And the final response, she made a suggestion. She uh, spoke about bringing in a third party to sort of think through some of the issues. And she's really shedding light on um, a conversation that uh, we've not ever quite seen go away. I would say, I would say this has been a little bit of a different, uh, of a of a different dynamic to it because of her profile in this other case that has called some attention to it. I think her legal background um, has called some attention to it because uh, she speaks and she is speaking about things that she's actually read in the case files and how she um, reads that, interprets that, how she understands that. Uh, so it's not like she's saying, I read this on this blog or I did this. She's actually, you know, speaks about, about what she has read in the case files. And um, and then just the fact that it involves another church, where she is located, all of that brings this back up to light. Now, what has been interesting to me to see have been the number of supporters um, for her perspective uh, that have sort of a, a, arisen. Uh, you can kind of see that on social media, either through comments people have made or, um, you know, retweets, things like that. Maybe tell you a little bit. Retweets don't always indicate endorsement, but they do just sort of, you know, that certain people are watching it. And folks that we haven't really heard from uh, before have seemed to, to have some interest in this case and are still uh, are, are still interacting with it. Uh, so I don't think that we, you know, we, this this conversation rises up every few years and then it kind of dies down. I'm not sure where this is going to go uh, this time. It's a conversation that people in the evangelical world and many in the Southern Baptist world seem to want to want to have. It is. And uh, we will keep following this. I'm sure this is the not the last we have heard. Uh, from this story. Uh, we got links to the news story over at Baptist News Global, as well as uh, the statement that Amy mentioned uh, that Rachel has put out this week, uh, the the suggestion to Sovereign Grace. So uh, we will link to that, and you can find out more about that at sbcthisweek.com. Over to Texas, Amy. Uh, there was an article in the Southern Baptist Texan, which is the, uh, the online and, and print version of the SBTC, convention over there in Texas, and uh, talking about the Baptist Heritage Center at Southwestern is going to be hosting the Conservative Resurgence Archives. But I got to admit, Amy, they buried the lead. There's a section in here uh, that discusses retirement plans for Dr. Patterson. This is the first uh, public mention of retirement plans that we've seen from Dr. Patterson. Uh, he is uh, the, the longtime Conservative Resurgence leader. Uh, Forty years ago uh, this year, Amy, this kind of thing got kicked off. Dr. Patterson states in the article that he and his wife would live in one of the one-bedroom apartments in the center 
after his retirement. Uh, the center is a $2.5 million uh, construction that was approved a year ago by the trustees, uh, entirely funded by gifts from about 10 individuals or foundations. The lead gift came from Philip Mercer and his wife, who wanted to build the Patterson's retirement home anywhere, really. And uh, after consulting and seeing some other plans that uh, that are actually, they have down at New Orleans, uh, a similar type setup, they suggested to set up at Southwestern as well. Uh, in September of 2017, the executive committee of the Board of Trustees extended the official invitation for the Pattersons to reside in the Heritage Center as the first theologians in residence upon retirement. However, there's no plans or no timetable for the retirement. So that's, um, that's correct. That's, that that's to, the big news there. Yeah. So that, that needs to be very clear. No timetable. Uh, he continues to serve as the president of Southwestern Seminary, but the, I think that was, you know, included because they wanted to launch this story about the library. This is a big deal. This uh, opportunity for people to research what was a very pivotal time uh, in Southern Baptist history. And so to have a library dedicated to it uh, is, is a big deal. And I think historians will greatly appreciate it. I know they wanted to go ahead and tell about that now. That's exciting news uh, from them. So no timetable on the retirement, but an interesting component of the story. Yes, it is. All right, so Amy, moving over, some big news in Washington this week. There was a, a letter from top evangelical leaders and pastors from all 50 states urging Congress and President Trump to have some kind of action on uh, dreamers, refugees, persecuted Christians, and families waiting for reunification. Uh, some big, notable Southern Baptist names in there. Amy, I'll let you talk about the story here in a second. I'm going to give this list of names uh, that some of the listeners will recognize. Beth Moore, Russell Moore, uh, Matt Chandler, Ed Stetzer, Karen Swallow, Pryor, Bryant Wright, the Bidiana Buile, Micah Fries, Dean and Sarah, James Merritt, Vance Pittman, Clint Presley, Walter Strickland, and Jay Wolf, all prominent Southern Baptists uh, who have signed on to this letter from World Relief. Yeah, so World Relief... Uh, obviously was kind of, they were the ones that headed this up. It is a open letter to President Trump and members of Congress. And it really is just coming back. This is a conversation we are having a lot um, and we've discussed. Uh, and in the evangelical world and the Southern Baptist world, we've talked about our positions on refugees and then even on um, on immigration as well. But right now, this is certainly a particular topic of interest because of the debate that's happening on Capitol Hill surrounding the government shutdown, surrounding the Dreamer Act, DACA. And so these people wanted to just step forward again. I've seen a lot of stories about how the evangelical voice um, is playing a part in this conversation. And even among uh, evangelicals and among Southern Baptists, people land in some different places on this. Uh, but this is a time where a number of leaders are standing up and saying again. Now, what's interesting to me is uh, they don't just stick with one thing. I mean, they this is dreamers, refugees, persecuted Christians. And that's talking specifically about admission of Christian refugees from countries, uh, from, from three countries in particular, Iraq, Iran, and Syria, that they are facing religious persecution because of their Christian faith. And to ask for consideration of the fact that admission from those countries has declined by 60%, the letter said, and just to bring that up for uh, those who are facing religious persecution would be protected worldwide, not just here. And then uh, families waiting for reunification. They actually brought that up. That's been a discussion. So 
it's it's not a really long letter. It's very simple and straightforward, but it's another place where people are weighing in, putting their name on this and asking uh, the leaders of the United States to act. All right, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means. CP. All right, we and we got good news, Amy. Uh, we talked about it last month. I figured that we would jump above budget because of January's totals, and we did. And we did. 4.01% ahead of the projected budget, $66.5 million and change is the total that's been collected by the executive committee, a little bit over $2.5 million over the $64 million budget. The January CP allocation receipts totaled $20,338,510.40. So uh, that has uh, jumped us above budget. And as always, we will keep an eye on this throughout the rest of the budget year until it ends at the end of September. So we're starting quarter two of our CP uh, giving, and uh, good to see that is above budget and above contributions last year. That's right. All right, Amy, uh, we have an update on a story uh, that we talked about uh, from South Carolina on a uh, a sex abuse settlement. Uh, First Baptist Columbia, South Carolina ha- had been hit with a lawsuit and they have settled. Uh, the insurance company from the church will pay $300,000 in addition to an apology and admission of liability on the part of the church and senior pastor Wendell Estep. The church agreed also to have its applicable policies updated by a third party experienced in sex abuse prevention and agreed to keep confidential the name of the child who was abused. So, And that'll bring to an end a story that we brought to you uh, just a few months ago. So uh, that story uh, is uh, kind of in its conclusion. Finally, Amy, state papers. Got a couple of milestones for the Alabama Baptist yeah. paper and the biblical recorder. Uh, so the Alabama Baptist is celebrating 175 years of continuous publication. That's a long time. Not to it be is. outdone, the biblical recorder marked 185 years last month in January. Yeah, really big deal. And that just reminds you that people have been sharing news um, among Baptists for a very, very long time. Many, I mean, there are newspapers that predate the Southern Baptist Convention um, that because of, you know, local associations coming together or state conventions that predate. And uh, th- this is a, a really big deal and a big deal that they are that they are continuing. I know we've seen a lot of changes in state papers in recent years, but they do still play a real role in connecting the people in their state uh, with what is going on in the Baptist world. Um, of course, I, you know, being being in North Carolina with uh, the biblical recorder, I, I pay a lot of attention to what's going on there. I've had a, a lot of appreciation for the work they've done, particularly in sort of the the area of technology, just coming along and finding ways uh, that new delivery systems uh, can can help them get the news out. There is also an incredible sort of treasure trove of archives of the biblical recorder that you can go back and look in some of these early years. And that's a pretty amazing, uh, amazing thing to do. And we'll put a link to that so people can kind of see old ones uh, as well. And congratulations to Bob Terry at the Alabama Baptist and his staff. Uh, that's a really big deal. There's a picture in this uh, Baptist Press story where they have a framed copy of the very first issue from 1842. That's really so cool. Think about it. Yeah, that's before the SBC even began. All right. And uh, there's a couple of uh, points in there. You mentioned finding new ways to get the, the news out uh, because a lot of the state newspapers have, have really, you know, they, they, the entire news industry 
has hit uh, kind of a hard times uh, with the rise of digital. The cumulative circulation of state papers has decreased by 67% over the past 40 years. Uh, this present circulation of 593,500 represents a drop of nearly 1.2 million since 1977 and 418,000 in the past 10 years uh, for print and digital editions. Uh, and only 23 of our 42 Baptist State news outlets uh, maintain print editions. Uh, that's through 2017. So, and and they're following a trend that you see kind of across the board in news. I yeah. mean, if you track, you know, the the newspaper industry has really fallen on some some challenging times because people can get their news from so many different sources now. Like they awesome used to podcasts. Be sort of yeah, absolutely. But um, at the same time, uh, like listen to our podcast, but click the links. Go read the stories. Yeah, go go look at what Baptist Press is doing. Go look at what our state papers are doing. Check uh, check out the incredible work that the people all over the country um, in the world of Baptist communications that they're doing. And uh, but people get their their news from so many different sources that um, they, you know, uh, our Baptist papers have to think through ways to connect to how to tell stories that just keep them, uh, that, that put the right things in front of people, help them to stay informed. Yep. And if you want a daily printed version of the Baptist press, uh, the daily digest and everything that they, they put out, uh, that is entirely possible. You can get a printed copy of Baptist press. Amy, did you know that? I did not. I get the email. Well, you can hit print on the email. And you can have a printed oh, version. Oh, nicely done. I see what you did there. The Baptist Press. So that's going to move us to my favorite part of the week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds. All right. We're just going to go back 10 years ago this time to something that's going to be in everyone's memory. Um, it has been a decade since um, February 5th, uh, 2008, when Union University was hit by a tornado. Oh, I remember that. I was in Birmingham at the time, and uh, Buddy Gray's daughter, uh, Buddy Gray is the pastor at Hunter Street in Birmingham. His yeah. daughter was a student there, and that was like in the news because of Buddy Gray's daughter down in Birmingham. Yeah, well, I mean, and it was a big deal because— Yeah, it was a big deal. I work with a few people here at Lifeway who were at Union for the tornado. I've known a lot of people who were who were there, and uh, it's it's really interesting. So we had been on the campus a couple of years before uh, the tornado for a conference that Keith was attending, and they had begun to add some new buildings to the campus for it to um, to to kind of have a little bit of a different look. But after the tornado, I mean, that's when things being rebuilt really, really shifted. Um, but it was so scary. I can remember because we knew a lot of people that had kids there or, you know, just had some connections and hearing stories of kids, you know, hiding in closets, um, opening their door and there's nothing there. Um, just a, an incredible experience. But we have a link to the Baptist Press story from just a couple of days ago that, that just reminds everyone uh, of what happened. It, it says there were about 1,100 students that were without a place to stay. Uh, the city of Jackson came in together and uh, helped them to, to, 
to clean things up, to rebuild. Just a pretty incredible experience. And I'm sure we may even have some listeners who were students there, uh, but I'm sure there are just young adults all over the place that experienced that. And it was very uh, changing for them, you know, but Union is a, like a totally different place. When I was in high school, I looked at Union, uh, visited it as a prospective student, and it is not at all like it was when, when I visited. And some of it's because of the rebuilding after that. But um, what an incredible experience. The, the headline in this story is after 08 tornado, Union was united as never before. So I know that for some, it's uh, some very difficult memories, but also uh, I think there was some sweet time of connection and seeing, you know, how the Lord worked and it all happened this week in SBC history. Yep. And the Union campus, I, I'd never been to it before. You mentioned that you'd been to it before, before the tornado. I've never been, I would never been there before. I've only been to the after and it's just gorgeous. So uh, they were able really to uh, really, really improve the campus uh, in the result of that. A terrible way to to be able to do that, but at the same time, they have really used that and and really multiplied the kingdom impact at the school because of uh you know in the wake of the tornado. So that's uh, uh, crazy to think that that's ten years ago. But yeah, man, we're getting old, Amy. All right, so that's going to move us on to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is a new book from somebody we talked about on the podcast last week, J.D. Greer, called "Not God Enough." Why Your Small God Leads to Big Problems. I have not had a chance to read it. I just got it in this week, and uh, I am uh, looking forward to reading this. And one of the uh, the chapter titles, Amy, I was looking at the chapter titles, mm-hmm. and one of them shares a, uh, a name with one of the Hunger Game movies. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's about Catching that. Fire? Yes, Catching Fire. And I didn't even know that. I guessed it. You guessed it. There you go. Because it wasn't going to well be done. Mockingjay. That would be really weird. Yeah, that would really yes. be weird. Yeah, so, so it Catching wasn't fire. difficult. So uh, I have to read that one. It's chapter 12, if you're interested. But uh, yeah, so check out the new book from J.D. Greer. And I got a bonus, Amy. Yeah? I got two copies. So I've got a free one to give away. So first person that uh, responds to us on Twitter or Facebook uh, with something that has to do with, since we were talking about Catching Fire, something that has to do with The Hunger Games, I will send you a free book, free copy of Not Got Enough by J.D. Greer. And it has really nothing to do with The Hunger Games. Just I just thought that was fun. So, very cool. That's my resource very of the cool. week. Your resource of the week is mine is um, an article that's in Baptist Press uh, that ran this week. It was posted on Monday. David Roach wrote it, and it is, uh, I think, kind of in conjunction with Black History yeah, Month. Fascinating and, article. Yeah, really incredible. I've actually read it a few times, and I still don't think I have caught everything in it. So I'm sort of hanging on to it and reading it over and over again. Uh, The headline is Black Southern Baptist History Said to Be at a Crossroads. And it really, I mean, we don't share you know, articles that much as, as resources, but sometimes one just pops up that you say, you know, I think people really need to read this. And it just begins to talk through, um, you know, it's Black History Month, but then starting to think through the history of African-American Southern Baptists. And so I highly recommend that. We'll stick the link in. This is a resource everybody, you know, you don't, it's not a book to buy or anything like that. So everybody can go in the show notes and check that out. Um, and, you know, it, this is just an, a, an interesting time, a good month to reflect. We had a luncheon uh, to celebrate Black History Month on campus at Southeastern last week. 
and heard a lecture about the history of um, African-Americans uh, in the missions movement, just in missions history. And there were so many things I learned just sitting in that lecture that I did not know. Um, and there's just a lot that we can kind of dig in and discover that we just never realized before. And so this article is a great place to start. Uh, David Roach did a great job on it. And so I want to throw that out there for people to check out. All right. Well, I have read that article as well. It's a fascinating article. Very good. Uh, kudos again to David Roach. Uh, we don't always uh, give the credit to the guys over at Baptist Press that we uh, we should. So Art Tolston. And gals. And guys gals, and gals. And gals. Sorry. Diana Chandler. Yes, We've got a lot Diana, of folks over there working hard. Art. Sean. Well, maybe not Sean. No. Yes, Sean. And David, you guys do a great job. We appreciate it. Uh, our, our podcast uh, really would be kind of boring if we didn't have all the great content we get from you guys. So thank you. And thanks to all our Southern Baptist uh, paper editors and, and all the information we get from them. Uh, we don't thank them enough. They make this possible uh, by providing the news and getting it online. And, and we just kind of curate it. And uh, we, we stand on the shoulders of giants sometimes, Amy. Absolutely. We are, are very appreciative of all of our friends out there. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, going to be a busy February in the SBC, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>